The Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast is brought to you by Paul Simpkins and the Boldly Lead program, focusing on helping tech leaders like you end the frustration of low-performing teams and losing excellent employees so they can increase productivity by 50%, go home on time, and sleep better at nights. Hello and welcome to the Tech Leaders Toolbox. I'm Paul Simpkins. This is episode 30 of the Tech Leaders Toolbox. We're proud to have made it so far and we're going to continue on. And we're here today because how you lead today determines how your team succeeds tomorrow. And I want to assure you, you are a leader because leadership is all about influence and we all influence others. Leaders learn how to positively influence others. And they know that in order to remain effective, they have to grow. And they do that by a commitment to become better each and every day. Now, I'm going to give you a fair warning about this episode today. Don't listen to this while you're hungry. Because we're going to have some food references in here. And they all have a point. And it leads us to what it can teach us about team success and how much it depends on variety and everyone playing their part. Are you ready? Let's go. Now, as you may know, if you've listened to any of these episodes before, I am a big fan of cooking. I love outdoor cooking, and a little bit later, we're going to share a recipe with you. But as such, I also watch a lot of cooking shows, and I read cooking books and all. And one of my favorite shows I love to watch is I love to watch Iron Chef America. And I don't know if you've ever watched that before. It was on the Food Network. Um, And in this show, what happens is chef contestants are all given the same set of ingredients and they're asked to make a meal out of those ingredients. Now, here's the key. They're not just making a dish. They have to make an entire meal using the ingredients that they're given. Now, sometimes the ingredients they're given to use will seem totally mismatched with one another. But the rule is they're required to use each and every ingredient. They can add to it, but they can't take away. They have to use every ingredient. And then a judging panel evaluates them on taste and presentation and how they incorporate everything and whether they come up with something originality, you know, whether they come up with something original from it. So sometimes the chefs find this real challenging, incorporating all those ingredients into a meal. They may barely use one item and overuse another. And when that happens, well, they're marked down on that as a result. So the winners are usually the ones who effectively utilize each ingredient for optimum taste and contrast. Now think about that for a minute. The winners are the ones who effectively utilize each ingredient for optimum taste and contrast. So in much the same way, as leaders, we know that our greatest team success comes when we utilize everyone on the team. Now, if we're lucky, we have a say in who exactly is on our team. But I'm sure you've been in leadership positions before, as have I, 
where you did not necessarily get a choice in everyone who was on your team. You may have been able to add one or two, but you weren't able to take any away. When we can handpick them, we get that opportunity to choose them for the special talents and skills they can lend to the effort, and it's a beautiful thing. But more often than not, we're like the Iron Chefs. We're given the team members, and we're told to make something out of it. Now, we might be able to add, but we can't subtract. So we have to figure out how each team member can best contribute to the team goals. Our success depends on finding the right combination. And it's important that your team members understand that as well. The more they understand the importance of including everyone on the team and the value of each team member and how they can best contribute to team success, then the better they can appreciate what each person brings to the table, the more effectively they can work together because they will recognize that everyone has a part. So as part of that, I wanted to give you this really cool exercise. I've used this before in some team building exercises, and I have found it that while it's going to on the surface seem kind of silly, I have found it to be a very effective exercise. And like most exercises, part of its success comes from the fact that it can be a little bit fun and silly. So here's what you're going to do. We call it the potato game. So what you're going to want to do for this exercise is you're going to want to buy a bag of potatoes. Uh, Again, just your standard baked potatoes from the store. Uh, You want to get a bag of them because you want to make sure you have at least one potato for each person. And we hear a lot about diversity and inclusion, but you need to understand they don't naturally go together. So let me explain how the potato game goes, and then we'll link all this together. So you take your potatoes, and you got everybody arranged in the room. And you're going to take a potato and you're going to walk up to one of the participants or you can bring them up to the front if you want. And you're going to present it, present it to them and say, this is your potato. And you do that for each person. Now, again, if you want to really put a little bit of silliness into it, make this a very solemn ceremony, you know. Uh, keep a straight face and present it to them with grandeur. And this is your potato. Once you've distributed all the potatoes, then you're going to tell everyone in the room, okay, you have three minutes to get to know your potato. And then you're going to introduce them to the group. So you give them those three minutes and then you have the people come up one at a time and introduce their potato to the group. And they can do anything they want. Now, they can't modify the potato. They have to take the potato as is. But they can give it a name, and you want them to describe what's unique about their potato and what what gives the character. Uh, And again, they can get as silly with this as they want. The point is, is we want them observing things. We want them observing differences. And then once you've Everybody's introduced their potato. Then you can enter into a discussion and ask some leading questions to them about what was it like about all the potatoes? What was different about each potato? 
did two potatoes look exactly the same? And how all that factors in. So the idea is to get them thinking about diversity, every individual potato being different, and inclusion. If we put all these potatoes together, despite their differences, does it still make potato salad? You know, are they still good baked potatoes, even if they're different? Yes, they all play a part. Now, if you really want to have fun with that, your extension of this exercise, after everyone's introduced their potato and you've had a little discussion about it, collect all the potatoes back and then redistribute them randomly and then ask everybody to go find their potato. So they have to go find somebody else and find their unique potato and see how much they actually paid attention. It, and it can, can be a lot of fun. So again, the idea here is a lesson on diversity and inclusion. And you hear them said a lot together, but they don't necessarily naturally go together in most organizations. See, diversity is all about recognizing and celebrating the differences in each of us. You know, let's look again, look back at our potato exercise. No two potatoes are exactly alike. They have different shapes, different sizes, different textures and skin colors, the placement of the eyes on the potato, the little nubs here and there. All of that is different. And we celebrate, we recognize those differences and celebrate those differences. They're still potatoes. They still have a lot in common. Uh, again, if you're using a bag of baking potatoes, they're all brown. They're all potatoes. You cut them open inside. They are typically white meat inside the potato, despite what's on the outside, despite the different shapes, despite the different eyes and so forth. They all have the same insides. So again, an important lesson there on diversity that we can have a lot of differences and that's great. Inside of us is what really counts. And how, again, how we can all, despite what it looks like, each potato can be used in cooking a meal, no matter what it looks like on the outside. So that's where inclusion comes in and this is the difference. Inclusion means... That despite the differences, when I put them all together, they make something special. So with inclusion in the workplace, we take the differences in each of us, the different skill sets and the strengths, the different backgrounds and attitudes, and we learn how to combine them together to be the most productive for the team or the organization. Too many times when leaders are given the ability to add their own team members, they look for people who are just like them. And that is actually the worst thing you can do. You don't want clones of you. You don't want people like you. You have your own skill sets. And if you're looking to build a team, if everybody is an accountant on the team, then who's going to sell your product? Who's going to make your product? Who's going to handle a lot of the distribution of your product? Not your accountants. 
you don't want everybody on your team to be the same. You want, you want them, if at all possible, you want each person to have their own unique skill sets that, again, lend to the overall goals of the team. And when we do that, inclusion means that we find the way for everybody to, place a part, to play a part in the team's success. Many organizations incorporate diversity on their teams, diversity in their hiring practices. And a lot of times, quite frankly, it's because of it's a public relations or HR mandate, but they don't really practice inclusion. And it's a waste. It's a waste of what you have before you. It's a waste of the financial resources that you invest in hiring people in. It's a waste of your time And it's a waste of those individuals and a waste of your team. Why spend the money hiring and training someone you're not going to make an integral part of the whole? So when we practice both diversity and inclusion, then we have produced a team that is productive, effective, and profitable. And that, after all, is what we're looking to do. We find a way for, to bring out the best in each person, utilizing their skills for the greater good of the team. And everyone benefits as a result. So here's four ways I wanted to share with you where you can create your inclusive and productive team. The first thing you want to think about is connecting with your team members. And we've talked about this before. Connections are critical. So as a leader, very important you connect with each person, get to know them well enough to understand their goals and their dreams. What do they like to do? What do they not like to do? What are they good at? Where do they see themselves fitting into the whole? That's something a lot of leaders miss. You want to find out where they can best contribute to the team? Ask them. Get their opinion. You may not agree with it, but at least you get a feel for where they're thinking. A lot of times they may very well be right. Not always, but but often they are. So you want to connect with your team members. The second thing you want to do is identify strengths. And this can be helpful if you start with an assessment. There's lots of great ones out there. And when I say starting with strengths, it's not necessarily a skill set as much as it is an attitude and a mindset a lot of times. Uh, There's lots of great uh, assessments out there. Some of them are free. Some of them are fee-based. If you're not sure, you can give me a call. I'll help you identify one. But the important thing is that you want to identify those strengths because that's what we're looking to use. A team member is going to contribute to the team's goals the best when they are able to use their strengths, which compensate for the weaknesses in others. So we want to focus on strengths. We don't want to worry about weaknesses except for in terms of how we can complement it with the strengths of others. And that goes for you too, by the way. Don't worry about your weaknesses except for what team members can I bring on that are going to compensate for my weaknesses. 
All right, so we got connecting with your team members, identifying your strengths. The third thing is build that strength-based team off of that. Identify the team members based on the strengths of each person, complementing the weaknesses of the other team members. And again, if you have two people who have the same strength, you need to consider whether that's a wise thing, whether you really need two people with the same strengths and whether that's really going to add value to the team and help the team accomplish its goals. And then number four is you want to foster continual growth amongst your team. You want to build a mindset in your team to be constantly growing and improving on their strengths. Uh, you, you know, you may have heard in the past, a lot of people talk about, you know, identify your strengths and weaknesses and, uh, and learn ways to make your weaknesses better. And I, and I always take the philosophy of ignore your weaknesses. Don't try to improve your weaknesses. You're weak in those areas. The best you'll ever become is mediocre. You want to become the best you can be, identify your strengths and work towards making your strengths the best they can be, continually upgrading your potential in that area and how to compensate your weaknesses with others. Continuous personal growth allows people to take the strengths they have and make them stronger. They're going to be more effective for the organization. They're going to be happier as a result. Your teams are going to be more cohesive, more productive, and you're going to see the results in the bottom line. So those four things, connect with your team members, identify the strengths, build a strengths-based team, and foster continual growth. And if you do that, you're going to have a team that is not only diverse, but a team where everyone plays a part and is highly productive and successful. We'll be back in a moment. While you're here, take a moment right now to subscribe to the Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast and leave a review. That way... You will always be up to date on the bold and innovative leadership principles we are sharing here. And come join the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group as well, where you and other leaders discuss these concepts in more detail and we answer your questions. Subscribe today and share this with your friends. All right, we're back for the uh, last third of the show. And again, this is one of my favorite things. I talked about cooking before. I love to cook and I do a lot of outdoor cooking. It's one of my favorite things to do. And in fact, I've actually created a Facebook group called Smoke and Ash. The Smoke and Ash Facebook group, me and all of my friends are out there and we share recipes. We share what we're cooking this weekend. We share tools and equipment and different techniques for cooking outdoors. And so I love to do that. And so if you like that kind of stuff, if you want to be a part of that, just go to Facebook and look for it. It's called Smoke and Ash. And the Smoke and Ash Facebook group, we'd love to have you on board with us there. And so I always share a recipe uh, on the show here, an outdoor cooking recipe. All of these recipes, by the way, I also post out on that Smoke and Ash Facebook group. 
The one I'm going to share with you today, I think this is timely because we've got, you know, football season coming up here, assuming it actually goes with the problems we're having with COVID-19 and all that and with the quarantines, but hopefully we'll still have somewhat of a football season. But this is the perfect kind of party food. It's easy to make and people will really, really love it. And you'll be surprised at the difference it will make with just really common ingredients. And what this is, is you're going to make what's called smoked bologna. Smoked bologna. I kid you not. This, this will go over really well. You want to be able to have access to a smoker or some way of adding the smoke flavoring. You can buy a stovetop smoker if you want. If you don't have an outdoor smoker, if you have like a, a grill, like a kettle grill, a you know, Weber or something like that, you can utilize those in a way to make it smoke. Um, a lot of my friends on the Smoke and Ash Facebook group have the big green eggs, but basically you want some kind of a smoker. The wood you use is up to you. For something like this, I love hickory. I think it's perfect for it. So you, what you want to do is you want to get about a four-pound chub of bologna from the deli counter at the grocery store. You don't want them to cut it up into slices or anything like that. You want the whole chub, four pounds of bologna. And you're also going to need barbecue rub for this, a barbecue rub seasoning. You can buy those in the store or make your own. Uh, they're very easy to make. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take that bologna, that big chub of bologna, and if there's any wrapping or rind still on it, you want to remove all of that. You want to get to the raw meat. And then you're going to take a good sharp knife and you're going to make diagonal cuts across the bologna, about every inch and a half apart, uh, each cut about an inch and a half apart, just a thin, really just barely scoring the bologna, going across in a diagonal pattern, every inch and a half apart, all the way around the bologna. Then you'll make a crisscross by doing the diagonal the opposite way, and again, cutting around every inch and a half all the way around, and then on the top and the bottom, same thing. Score across. You don't want that, again, very deep, just like maybe a centimeter deep. But scoring across the top, the bottom, the sides. Then you're going to take your um, rub seasoning, liberally sprinkle that rub seasoning all over the chub, and you want to rub that in. You want to massage that in gently with your hands because you want to make sure that rub seasoning gets inside of those scoring marks that you made. Now, you don't want to rub too hard because you'll start ripping and disturbing the surface of the bologna too much, and you don't want to do that. It will expand itself open as you cook it. So again, you want to massage the barbecue rub seasoning all over the bologna, the sides, the top, the bottom. Then you're going to stick that in the smoker for about two to three hours. Now, it's important to remember, you're not cooking this. It's, it's already cooked. All you're going to be doing is getting that smoke flavoring into it, uh, letting that um, seasoning integrate itself into it. And again, what will happen as it sits in the smoker, those scoring marks will all expand a little bit out because the bologna itself will expand a bit. It's all going to expand out a little bit and that seasoning will get in there and integrate more into the bologna. So again, you're going to do that for about two to three hours. And then you're going to take it off 
take it out of the smoker and put it on a platter. Now, I like to serve this one of two ways, and it depends a lot on your own preference. If you're doing this for a party, you can do what I call the lazy party method, which is simply put that whole chub on a cutting board with a couple of knives out there, line the cutting board with bread or crackers and maybe some different kinds of mustards, and let everybody serve themselves. They can cut off chunks and just eat it straight. They can dip it in mustard. They can put it on bread or crackers, however they want to do it. And I call that the lazy party method. The other method, of course, is the sandwich method. For that, what you're going to do is you're going to uh, cut the bologna, cut off slices of the bologna, and put them in a skillet and sear them basically in a skillet 45 seconds on each side. And then you can put that on your favorite kind of bread with your favorite kind of condiments. I like to use like a spicy brown mustard with this or even a barbecue sauce goes well with this and have a sandwich out of it. You will really like this. If you like bologna, I believe you will absolutely love this. If you're not a big fan of bologna, this will make it you like it. And here's the key thing. When you buy that chub of bologna, by the way, don't buy, don't try to get fancy. Don't try to buy the mortadella or anything like that. You want just plain beef bologna for this. That's going to be your best uh, effect is just a beef bologna chub. And again, it's called smoked bologna. And if you want this recipe, you can go out to the Smoke and Ash Facebook group I post the recipe out there every week, or you can just send me an email at tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. That's tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. All right, so this week we talked about diversity and inclusion and what Iron Chef and a potato have to teach us about diversity and inclusion. Remember that diversity is recognizing and celebrating the differences in each of us. And inclusion is how we make each individual be an effective part of the team. They are not the same thing. And you want to be careful to, do, to have both diversity and inclusion on your team and in your organization for greatest success. Well, that's about all for this week. Don't forget, if you are listening to this on a uh, podcast app, to go ahead and leave us a five-star review and recommend and share this podcast with others. Until next week, go on out and be the leader you were meant to be.